0: welcome back to the MLS Now podcast. I'm your host, Russell. You can find me on social media at Mr. Danger Russ, and you can find the podcast on social media at MLS Now podcast. We have a wonderful, amazing, lovely, fantastic, beautiful, gorgeous. uh, That's all I got for adjectives. That's, you know, it's 545, almost six o'clock p.m. that we're doing this. And I got to say, I didn't have nearly enough coffee, so I appreciate my wonderful guests who are joining me today for this amazing, fantastic, stupendous episode. That's right. It's Meeting of the Minds, back by absolutely no demand at all other than ourselves internally because we had fun with it last time. Joining me today, we have Maddie. You can find her on social media at Maddie Krausp, a specific spelling for her handle in the actual Show notes for this one. It's a little tricky. It got me even a few times. But Maddie, welcome in. Thank you. I am happy that you can join us because we need more. need more perspective. We need more minds. Otherwise, it's just me and Gavin, and occasionally Tim, and sometimes David talking in circles and group thinking. So you're here to talk some sense into us because I have a lot of nonsense in my mind. And Tim over there is an enabler. And speaking of Tim, uh, he comes from the windy city, and I promise you he's not blowing any hot air at us you can find him on social media at sing electric the electric boogaloo part two tim hello thank you for being hey. here
1: yeah good to, good to be back i i love the way that you basically begged for a coffee sponsor at the beginning of the episode oh i haven't
0: had enough coffee huh i haven't had nearly enough coffee he says sipping a cup yeah. of coffee
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah so coffee sponsors if you're listening uh you know talk to russell he, He'll he'll talk to you
0: that's right. You can find me on social media at Russ or the podcast at MLS now Podcast, And I can assure you, I drink far too much coffee. So a better tester of things you cannot find than myself. But here's the thing, guys. I had to test AI because there's been a lot of rule changes this offseason for MLS. And I thought to myself... I'd like to see what are some absurd ideas, some potential rule changes here that we could institute because I like some of the ones that they came up with, but I felt they weren't creative enough. So I went to ChatGPT and I said, ChatGPT, give me absurd ways to improve the sport of soccer. The top item that it recommended was to add a third goal to the sport. In fact, ChatGPT says that the game is currently too focused on scoring goals on the two existing ones. By adding a third goal, you could create more scoring opportunities and create more excitement in the game. And I thought to myself, that's pretty good. That's brilliant even. But let's not stop there. What else does ChatGPT have? Allow players to use their hands. That's right. We're becoming rugby now. I, I love that this is a thing that actually like created several sports down the line. Right. And, and believe it or not, rugby and soccer started in essentially the same part of the world with originally very similar rule sets. So ChatGPT obviously knows that. Here's the other thing. And this is one I think really has potential. Replace the ball with a giant bouncy ball because you see guys. This would make the game more fun and unpredictable. And think about the spectacular goals that you could have by having a giant bouncy ball and bouncing it off of any surfaces or people or faces or body parts or even the goal. I would want larger nets and everyone to be wearing inflatable
1: like those like inflatable sumo suit things. Oh, yeah, I would watch that. I, yeah. I
0: would participate in that.
1: Right, like that's the thing. It's like one of those things and like that sport just seems like the inflatable sumo suits would be like the great equalizer. Maybe mm-hmm. the pro athletes would have like weighted ones to slow them down a little bit. But you could oh, like yeah. bring in fans, be like three lucky fans are going to be in the 11.
2: <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Three lucky fans are the giant bouncy ball. <laughs> <That's-> three unlucky <laughs> fans <laughs> are the giant bouncy ball. Have you wanted to get kicked in the head by a professional athlete? Well, here's your chance. For a limited time, you can enter your enemies for a chance to win the experience of a lifetime. (laughs) Be the ball. Now, here's the other side of it. Sometimes people criticize athletes as being too slow. ChatGPT obviously picks up on that and says you should allow players to wear roller skates. Now, I am not entirely sure how that would work on a grass field, but... (laughs) My mind is open for the ideas. I
2: think that would slow them down more.
0: It might. I like that Chat GPT like basically created
1: rugby and like therefore kind of like American football as a descendant, and like <laughs> roller hockey as without right. meaning to. I, I mean, and there's like that like gym game that like may only exist in like Canada and maybe like parts of the U.S. like Minnesota, maybe like. <laughs> Where you have like four hockey goals around a gym and you kind of like go like it, it like sort of like in a circle and are trying to score and it, it becomes this like free for all thing. <laughs> so I can it's tell boring. you that
0: exists in Ohio. Okay. Yeah.
1: So like Maybe that, like it basically did that,
0: but it was just like one net short of doing that. Potentially. Well, here's the thing. You can't just blatantly rip off elementary school P.E. classes like
2: that. (laughs) No, definitely not. Uh,
1: Are you saying that A.I., like generative A.I. can't blatantly rip things off? Because I I feel like you're,
0: uh, that's an incorrect statement. (laughs) Well, here's the, here's the final ripoff for you, Tim. If none of these things spark your fancy, you should just straight up allow players to use magic. That's right. (laughs) Magic would make the game extremely unpredictable and would allow for amazing plays involving sleight of hand, illusions and even the mystic arts tim i can think of nothing better than a sport combined with magic surely that has never been done before right (laughs) Uh, yeah we 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 have ground kidditch now um (laughs) (laughs) i
1: i mean Having said that, there is this guy that um, on Reddit I want to say that makes Magic the Gathering sort of inspired MLS like fake like digital cards. Like he should actually print them out because I would certainly buy them. I mean, there may not be a lot of us that would, but I mean, they <laughs> something like, like like the art is like a perfect knockoff of like Magic the Gathering art, and they're always like topical funny things about about MLS, and I like. I would be up for, like, a Magic the Gathering, like, halftime game played between fans or something like that. I mean, it's, like, at least as much fun as, like, fantasy soccer,
0: right? Like, so, it sure. Some might argue it's more fun than fantasy soccer, and the rules you probably understand better as well.
1: Yeah, and, like, it doesn't have the problem with, like, fantasy soccer that MLS has, where it's, like, okay, there's a salary cap, but we can't actually have the salary cap rules that we've got because literally no one would understand them. And we,
0: you know, we can't, we don't want to allow that. I can tell you right now, Magic the Gathering, there is no salary cap. That game is strictly pay to win. (laughs) As I found out as a very poor college student, because it's a lot more uh, disappointing to play when you can't afford any of the cards that everyone wants to use. And you're just like, hmm i keep losing maybe it's because i don't have any money so i i just heard
1: this podcast with the magic the gathering guy and um they were talking about like the like economics of like the cards and like what they considered about the economics before making the game and all that but the upshot was this like the creator of magic the gathering who like no longer works he's not like getting money off of it anymore but um He's like, at one point in the interview, he's like, yeah, so like some people, if there's a rare card, like some people just like, you know, print like their own thing. Like it may just be them writing on a piece of paper, like it's this card. and like, that's fine with me. So I'm like, all right, just do that. Like if there's a rare card you don't want, just like cut a piece of like cardboard out and be like, here's my card. And they're like, that's not real. And you're like, it's real
0: to me. Something being real to us is a perfect encapsulation of MLS because many people look at it and say, hey. This looks different than what I expect. And you know what? MLS is real to me and to all you listeners. So that said, Tim, I know you mentioned you had a fantastic, amazing, hilarious, and absurd rule that you would like to also introduce. I'm going to put you on the spot, Tim. What was that rule? I was just thinking like introduce like halftime goalie wars. Uh, was one, but I
1: think the better one that I had was just start off with random scores, so it's like not every game starts at nil nil. Like you could be up a goal, or you could be like maybe negative goals. So you can start out two goals in the hole. You got to score two goals to get to to get to a nil nil
0: draw. I like that. That would be catastrophic for certain teams that <laughs> seem to be allergic to scoring goals, and it would be so much fun to watch because teams that can't score or teams that sit back starting down two goals like if you're nashville and you're down two zero zero originally like gary ball's gone you can't do it anymore exactly like it would eliminate one of the things people don't like about the game which is that
1: like you know teams don't like if the if the match is you know tied like you don't have an incentive to necessarily try to score at certain game states this would eliminate that okay oh, i actually just have counterpoint one more crazy
0: one okay <laughs> counterpoint <laughs> though tim Imagine if Nashville started up even one goal. The game would be unwatchable. 90 minutes of unwatchable soccer.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? Gary has promised that Gary Ball is evolving, so we'll see if that actually happens. I, I personally will believe it when I see it. Um, but, yeah, I that that is the risk that you run. Um, so maybe you would have to make it that one team started negative or one team started positive. So it was like there there was... One team at least would have an incentive to really go for it, right? Maybe if you were up by enough, like you just get like, you know, Nashville trying to just like do long balls to Haney Mukhtar and trying to like get like crazy goals because why not?
0: But that's no different than normal. Yeah,
1: fair enough. But I mean, it would change the way that the other team was defending because like I don't think Nashville's ever been like up 5 0
0: on anyone, you know? <laughs> no. I don't want to be fact checked on that, so I'm not I'm not going to agree with you, but I suspect you are correct. <laughs>
1: it's rare. Let's put it this way, it's rare. Like they, they like they've certainly put up three and I think four goals a couple of times. Um they've won by three goals a couple of times, but like I like I mean, they've never been up by two touchdowns. Let's put it that way. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that they've never done that. So <laughs> um so like what would the game like like game be like? Like you would just probably try random things like you'd have people just doing like, you know, trick shots and stuff like that if you're a Nashville player. So,
0: Maddie, can I put you on the spot as well? Do you have any insane rules that you want to throw in?
2: Um, I don't think I do, but I'm I like the um I like the add a third goal rule. That's my favorite rule. Um I think it'd be a lot more exciting and give more opportunities to score, which is certainly needed for a team such as Minnesota. But, like, where would that goal go? And, like, would there be a goalie, or how would that goal be defended? Like, what are we putting in front of that goal to stop people from scoring?
0: What if it's just, like, hanging in the air on, like, a drone, right? And you just have it, like, flying around (laughs) in, like, random patterns? And then what you do is, like, you can go and try and score, or maybe you take the drone shot. So many fans would get concussions if players (laughs) were just trying to, like, shoot at a goal in the air. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Think about it. Everyone loves it when they catch a foul ball in baseball. Why not soccer? It's
1: well, I mean, when the balls get in the stands, there's always like that one person that seems unaware that you have to throw the ball back. And oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This is mine now. And somebody's like, eventually, like, no, 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 you, you got to pass it <laughs> over.
0: Just, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to create as many soccer balls as baseball uses, and people are going to start keeping the soccer balls. That's That's got to change.
1: I do love the idea of there just being like a third net, like, maybe it's randomly placed in the pitch. I don't know. Like maybe it changes location. Maybe it's just like, you know, middle of the pitch off to one side. And like, as an option, like you could just like try kicking it in for a goal. Like I'm thinking it's like a smaller size net, like a hockey size net and like you kick it in. And then maybe the rule is that like, you know, you've got teams just like, okay, well, I don't really have a pass open to me. So I'm just going to kick it in this like small goal in the middle. And, like, you'd have, like, a separate score for that, and that counts as, like, a tiebreaker. So no games would end in draws. Because, like, MLS is already, like, they're once again, like, this is America, we're not comfortable with draws. So, like, now that that's coming back, instead of doing shootouts, which, like, I mean, during League's Cup just got, like, so ridiculous at points. um, Like, this would at least be, like, a built-in tiebreaker. And you'd be like, well, you know, like, they scored, you know, 14 mini goals compared to this other team that only scored 12. So that's the tiebreaker and, you
0: know, they win. You guys are going to love this then. By the time this episode comes out, I'll have finished editing and have released a wonderful interview with someone from Sheffield who brings up the topic of something called a rouge, which is an old rule during the birth of the game that was used as a tiebreak thing in the sport. You know that's technically in Canadian football the name of points. Hey, I bet there's a reason for that.
1: Yeah, it's the same origin. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> the, it's the reason for that.
0: Same origin story behind all these sports. Yes. Okay. I would love to continue to talk about made up, fake, fantastic, phenomenal, fun rules, and maybe maybe we still can in the future. But I did. <laughs> I wanted to initially make this like a three minute fun section to talk about absurd rules before talking about real rules. And now I feel like we're going to spend three minutes talking about real (laughs) rules and 15 minutes about the absurd. But I do want to get your thoughts on this because some of the changes that MLS are proposing for this coming season, and I don't know if propose is the right word. They've confirmed it at this point, is that now stoppage time is going to be shown in stadium. Players, if you're on the ground for longer than 15 seconds requiring treatment, you're going to to be moved off. And then you have to actually wait two minutes to come back on the field. And then there's a 10 second time limit for substitution. So if you don't get off the field within 10 seconds, the player coming on to replace you now has to wait an additional 60. And then this one I like VAR announcements pending IFAB approval are now to be made in the stadium as well a number of improvements here i would love to get some initial reactions maybe rule by rule on this one maddie i want to lead off with you Does one jump out to you specifically just to start with
2: um i really like the first one stoppage time shows in stadiums i just don't understand why that was never a thing in the first place like whose idea was it to just not put that up it can't be that hard to like put that out in the stadium but instead like everyone just pulls out their phone and you see like 10 people around you with the timer app going like, could they not just do that for us? So I like, why did it take until 2024 for them to do that? Like, was that never even a thought? I just, I don't understand why that was never a thing before. It it seems so obvious and it's going to make a big difference. And also like players, like before they didn't know, like the coaches just yelling, you know, out the time. Like, that's just, that's so strange to me.
1: Tim, what you got for us? Yeah. I mean, there's absolutely like a hundred percent on the stoppage time. Like that's like, it just, it just is so obvious and it just clearly makes the game better. And like, what, like I, I can't see any argument against it. And like, if you're making an argument against it, like I, I want to hear why you think it's a bad idea. They show a clock at all. Like maybe just like make the time a complete mystery for everyone. Like, okay, but that's actually- half. <laughs> Who knows? Has it been 22 minutes? Has it been 40 minutes? Like, we don't know. Like it could be 45. Maybe it wasn't like, come on. Um, And the rest, I mean, a number of the rules um, for if like you're a true MLS sicko and have been to uh, MLS Next Pro match uh, last year, uh, like a number of them were trialed and some of them I really I I, I thought weren't going to work that well, like the injury substitution rule and stuff like that. But they, they ended up working really well in practice and they had a net result of speeding the game up. And so I think it's good that like that the league is kind of willing to take this like things they tried just for one season in next pro and move it to like the big league if, if they think it's a success. So that's kind of cool to see. Um, and the V A R announcements. Like I thought I I'm like, wait, I saw this. And I'm like, wait, did I dream this? Cause it, it feels so, like time is a weird construct now. I'm like, did I see that at the women's world cup this past year? Or did I imagine seeing it? But apparently like we did. Uh, I'm like, I didn't imagine that. So it's been trialed places. You don't get the full, like you don't get like a full explanation. Like it, I, I don't think it works quite as well um, with just because c- like the laws of the game in in soccer are are relatively simple. It's the interpretation of them that really like trips people up. And so, you know, you end up hearing things like the, you know, like the goal doesn't count because the player was ruled offside. And you're like, okay. But, like, what was offside, you know? And, like, so it does kind of, like, just, like, move the mystery, like, one step further because you're like, because I saw it pretty far onside, so what the <laughs> heck did you see? Um, but, I mean, it is welcome. Like, it it like I think it's something that we're used to is, like, North American sports fans. Um, the unfortunate thing is that, like, again, like, I don't think it's, like, a, a cure-all because, like, you don't end up getting that much information, and I think you end up not really getting more information than what people get, what you hear in studio, although... Depending on like in MLS, like referees just do not communicate with what like the press box or, or you know, the broadcast booth. So you're like really left wondering, like, I, like I've been in the press box and a goal was called off. And like literally everyone is looking at each other being like, like, what did you like? What do you think happened? And and the funny thing is you end up sometimes with like group thought of like, oh, yeah, we all we all saw that. And then it turns out it was something else that called the gall off. So at least there's that getting cleared away.
2: I'm curious, the, the rule about the injury, the 15 second thing, is that like 15 seconds they're on the ground or like 15 seconds from when the treatment people come out or like, is it just like 15 seconds on the ground in general? Cause it says you've like, got 15 like,
1: seconds to get up and get off okay. unless you require treatment. Basically. That was my big concern. Cause my concern was like, you'd have players that would have some like maybe like a soft tissue injury or something like that. And um, and and they would end up making things worse for themselves and their for their team and everyone, right. By by trying to push it. But I mean, referees have discretion on it, so it ended up working pretty well. Um, there was one, there was one funny example that the athletic reported where there was a player that was on the ground for longer than fifteen seconds and ended up getting, ended up getting like kind of like taken off for two minutes because he just stayed down and didn't go off, and he's he's like, he didn't think he could get up. He didn't have to get stretchered off. If it's like a suspected head injury uh, or anything like that, like they, like the rule doesn't apply, Yeah, but the referee didn't see it as being one of those. And he thought he was like literally in the center of the pitch. And he thought, well, I could like, I can't get up. I don't feel like I can get up, but I could like roll over, like on my side, like tumble over to, to the side of the pitch. And he's like, I thought about it. Then I decided I didn't want to do that, which uh, the coach is like, you know, there <laughs> like
2: so like if someone is like i'm i'm a big anti-flopping person so like for the people who flop constantly if they flop if they flop and they're down for like 15 seconds does that do they then have to go off even if like they don't require treatment like i guess i'm yeah like, the
1: referee could the referee could call them off like the referee could force them off so that's one of those things that also helps speed up the game because what you see is like minor contact leading to flopping yeah and like you know, it's like, oh no, like, oh no, I think my leg fell off and then a miraculous recovery five seconds later because the referee clearly wasn't interested. Right. Um, this is a way of sort of like taking the incentive away from some of that.
0: It is worth noting as well that MLS specifically stated there's other exceptions. So in addition to that head injury that Tim talked about, uh goalkeeper injuries. You don't have to get forced off because it would be weird to keep a goalkeeper off the field. And then anything that was like a yellow or red card offense linked, you wouldn't have a player be off for a treatment for that either.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. That's I like that rule. Um I hope that it works well. But like who's in charge of timing that? Like 15 seconds? Because that's like a very like like is that the fourth ref? Like the main ref the head ref can't do that they don't have time to like watch the person on the ground you know
1: typically the fourth official is in charge of enforcing it but like any of the officials on on the field can sort of start timing it I think it is the fourth official that does that does it for the most part but I mean they're in communication with a referee and like the the, the ref can decide to like wave it off because they're like look like that looked like it was a pretty bad like knee-on-knee thing and like I'm not like I'm not going to blame this guy or like that ankle was in a weird angle to me. So (laughs) like, let's just see what happens. Like I, I I thought like when they announced it for MLS next pro, um, before, like basically like this time of year, last year, I was thinking, Oh, there's no chance in heck that's ever going to work. Um, and it did, but it did in practice. Like I was, I was very wrong about it. So, you know, and, and players adapted within really, it just took a, a couple games. Um, Couple games into the season, it looked like pretty much like coaches and players kind of understood what was going on, which was my other concern with it. Yeah, so I suspect it'll be the same in MLS.
2: I wonder how much refs are going to be um, making poor decisions that are not, you know, refs and MLS are not not known for many good things. So, like, what if they ki- are kicking people off for things that are like serious? Or, I like, I wonder how much that will happen. I guess if it worked well in Next Pro, then hopefully that isn't an issue in MLS, but I could definitely see that being an issue.
1: Yeah. That was my big fear. Like that, that they would be, it, it like you get a ref that's sort of like the like walk it off school of, of thought, you know? um, And, and then it would, you, but like it didn't really come up in practice. So I don't know how much education there was or like exactly what the training was on, on the, you know, like the part of the referees, but it seemed like it worked. Of course it, now it looks like we may not actually be getting, any referees are normal (laughs) you know uh pro referees so we'll see how um it'll be really funny when it turns out that the replacement referees can't count to 15 um
0: (laughs) that is a whole topic that i don't necessarily envy whoever has to deal with that because no matter what decision you make on that cba for psra and pro there's not going to be any winner Either the fans are going to be unhappy, the refs are going to be unhappy, or the owners are going to be unhappy, or more likely you're going to have two of the three unhappy.
1: Combining all this and putting a bow on it, I think what we clearly need are allocation money for referees so that you can have some higher paid referees. Right. Uh, You could stop at one, like what they did in the NWSL, or... You could go all in and have two or even go past what MLS has done and invent three separate kinds of allocation money to pay refs different amounts based on different things.
0: So we we get some designated referees. So you're going to go get like, you know, superstar referees from what, like the Bundesliga, and you're going to bring them in on these big guaranteed contracts. But now, hold on, are you going to raise the the salary minimum, the senior minimum for referees as well? Yeah, I mean, I
1: think you'd have to as part of the negotiation, right? Like, that would be part of it. Like, the, the union is going to ask for that,
0: so. hmm I can't wait to see that there's a referee that's being paid, like, $2.2 2 million or something, and the outcry on that when they make any decision wrong.
1: <laughs> I mean, it'd be this exactly the same as whenever, like, a like one of the highest paid DPs in the league does something, like, miss a, like, there's, like, a pretty obvious free kick or, like, not make it to like the end of a pass that was clearly like almost perfectly weighted for them.
0: Uh, miss a four yard setter. Cincinnati has experienced many of those throughout the years. Although
1: really the, the, the real upshot of all this is it's going to be hilarious when we get stories about like a, our referee, like vaping, um, on the, on the plane or something like that. (laughs) Look, I don't, I mean, who am I kidding? We're I never gonna get a, we're never getting Italian referees here. <laughs> that would,
0: if the point is to raise the quality, <laughs> actually, no. Here's here's what you do: you go get those Italian referees, and then you can tell them that they can run all over the pitch while smoking a cigarette, <laughs> just like Gonzalo Higuain thought would be what he was doing. Yeah, fair enough. Oh my gosh, I lo- Thank you both for you know really bringing the humor back into this. Very very serious topic i'm sure so that said we haven't touched on it yet that 10 second substitution time limit two thumbs up for me personally i cannot wait to see this time wasting backfire on some teams that end up now playing down a man for a minute in like the 95th minute when the other team is pushing really hard for a goal and the first time or two that that happens is going to be like this perfect confluence of karma i I can't wait i just hope it doesn't happen for my team obviously
1: yeah like what you saw in next pro basically was like teams just didn't want to try it like it wasn't worth it and i mean a lot of it kind of is like some of it was team time wasting and i think some of it like the bigger problem is individual players who like feel like they like you know you got a guy that scores a brace and is like feeling like the like everyone you know just feels like you know, Leo Messi at that point, like that exact moment, like that's the way that they feel. And right. The crowd Meander off next the field.
0: Pro. You're clapping for, you know, the fans that are there. You want to take your shin guards out. You got to high five people along the way. And then, you know, exactly. Yeah. You
1: know. And if that's happening in MLS next pro crowds, which are like measured in like the tens, sometimes, <laughs> um, like imagine what happens when you're dealing with tens of thousands of people in a stadium.
0: I can't wait to see it.
2: Yeah. I think that's a great rule.
0: It's going to cause so many headaches. I just, oh, now the real question is, are they going to yellow card players for failing to leave the field? Now, if this is the case, because now you're getting a different kind of punishment. You still can, right? Like uh, it's about how quickly
1: you're moving out. Like, Really what it is, is about like that time wasting of like, you're, you're going, so you can't be told that you're not going. Um, but but like, you're not going very quickly. Right. So, and, and I think that's one of the nice things. Like it's, like a lot of these, this is one of those things. Like these are all rules that IFAB is interested in, and they kind of have sanctioned you know trials in MLS Next Pro, and now like in the middle, like they're all like IFAB around. But like they all feel very American because it's not like if a player spends an excessive amount of time, you know, while exiting the pitch, it's not like a what like what does excessive amount mean? Like it's a ten seconds, guys. Like that's it, you know. Like they're they're right. like concrete numbers with time. As if we have perfected the technology to have watches on referees, you know, <laughs> as opposed to like all the original, like, which are all just so vague, you know, it's like, so
0: it's good to have solid numbers behind them. Now, Tim, I've immediately spotted one downside in this. If there's a known 10 second time limit, that's 10 seconds of advertising you can do. Think about, well, it. I mean,
1: but it, break. but it depends on right game right
2: state. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It depends on game state, because like if you're like if the idea is like, you know you're down a goal and you're taking off like a midfielder and putting on one of your forwards because you're trying to get it, like you're not spending ten seconds anyways. So like, you know, it, and the other thing is like, do you really want to be the guy that is counting to ten in your head and goes to eleven? So I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like the more dangerous advertising thing is going to be
0: increasingly intrusive like AI ads on the pitch. <laughs> we already get the border ads like, you know, they do the yeah. picture in picture like they make it a little bit smaller and you get like the doot doot like along the sides where it's big and I don't know, I think I saw a lot of like Grand Centenario ads during League's Cup that way. Yeah. Or maybe it was, or maybe no, maybe it was like, you know, the Mexico National. Thing. I, I don't know. Point There point were a being, lot of
1: like COVID like empty stadium ads that were sort of like You know, some people were like, we're putting
0: cardboard fans and some are like, Mm. we're going to sell you something with that space. I'm shocked that everyone didn't try and sell me something with that space. All right. Before I move us on, any final thoughts, any statements? Speak now or hold your peace for literally dozens of minutes until you say, wait, I thought of something. And then I say, okay, let's hold on. Let's go back. (laughs) I'm just so glad that the clock's not going to stop at 45 and 90. Okay. Now that you brought it up, guys, over, under four and a half years, are we going to get a stopped clock at any point in soccer? I'm going to say no.
2: Yeah, we're not going to get that.
0: Okay. I hope
1: you're right. (laughs) It's MLS, though, so it is possible that a scoreboard would catch on fire
0: between now and then. Mm-hmm. Um
2: yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Happened in Columbus. But that clock uh, is gonna keep going, Tim. One hundred percent. Yes. That clock is a game day player. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm hearing no's from both of you. So you heard it here first. Stop the clock. don't have to worry about it for at least four and a half years. <laughs> I still it's gonna happen some someday. I don't I don't know when. Sometime in our life they're gonna find a way to stop the clock in the middle of the match.
2: We can't give anyone. We can't trust anyone with the responsibility of being in charge of stopping and starting the clock in an MLS. I game. feel like it's
1: going to be a. I feel like it's going to be a league's cup match too. <laughs> um, that just seems like it's like mm-hmm.
0: the way it's going to pan out, <laughs> or it's going to be starting an MLS next pro, and then they're going to say, "But we need now to reduce it to thirty-minute halves because." You know, there was that study that, what is it, there was only 54 minutes of action in Premier League matches because of time wasting. And so it's like, well, if you stop the clock and only do, do it when it's in play, but you make it 60 minutes, that's still a 10%, you know, 11, 12% increase if you go just 60 minutes of game time.
1: I Yeah, I mean... I just love that people pretend like that's a unique problem in this sport where like there's like that it, like the MLB like pitch by pitch thing where like you can watch like literally everything that happens in a baseball game inside of 15 minutes. And they're like, hey, we fixed it. Like baseball games are now like three hours. And you're like, it's still 15 minutes. Like I'm still watching 15 minutes of stuff over. Like I just don't get how that sport survived prohibition.
0: I, I, I do like <laughs> Well, they didn't have anything else to spend their time on, so. Yeah. That and bootleg hooch, I guess. Right. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. Now, here's the other topic that I really want to throw your way before we get into some absolute nonsense later. So we we have to do the serious thing. The third goal the was not the absolute nonsense idea. No, but, no, no, no. Like, the, thir- like, the third wait, goal is more. very realistic. <laughs> No, so here's another question that I had. Does money ruin literally everything in this sport? Because, thinking about it, right? Look at some of the huge transfer fees that are being paid for players, these huge release clauses, enormous wages. And I think we all focus on those enormous wages, but how sustainable is it, especially if you're a team that's not backed by, say, you know, a state run investment group or one of the most influential billionaires in the world or, you know, private equity in the largest hedge fund or investment fund in the world. These are very, very, very small numbers of players in a sport that spans globally. And like, how do you sustain that? Because, I mean, you just, you can't keep that level of expenses forever. I actually, I went out, And looked up just how unrealistic some of these numbers are just for comparative purposes, right? I went and looked at 2023 total spend and wages for some different leagues. So looking at English Premier League, right, your hallmark iconic league, the total salary spent in that league was 2.1 billion euros is the reported value of that too uh 2.1 billion dollars but 2.1 billion euros and the highest spending team was i'm sure you can guess manchester city at 263 million for wages that's unbelievable that's uh, there's entire leagues where their whole league wide wages are less than manchester city
1: yeah i mean mls like is is higher than that but just given the number of teams it's it's an insane amount, but I mean, the other side of its revenue, right? Like, so like the premier league is bringing in, you know, what, like something in the, the range of like $7 billion a year of revenue. So um I, I guess the question is like how much of, but you're right. Like when you're bringing in like kind of quote unquote, like stupid amounts of money, like it's no secret that like part of Manchester city's, you know, a bit ability to spend that much is, they have kind of sweetheart deals like it's like oh the same people that own the club are also the people that own the airline that are sponsoring that are the shirt sponsor so it's like i wonder how like oh, i'm sure and they're the paying an absolute fair rate for that right exactly so like that just adds you know a ton of money into it and the challenge i think and i th- i think this is the problem like that the heart of it is you don't if you're trying to make money sort of like the old fashioned way of like, just trying to sell a shirt sponsor and you don't have someone with giant bags of money that can just like toss artificially inflated amounts of money at you. Like you can't compete. And I think that that's what we've like literally sort of seen in the premier league is like other, other teams
0: can't compete because they, they have not, you know Um, the total salary spend of Sheffield United, who are the lowest spenders in the premier league, was a grand total of 26 million. That is there there are players like Erling Haaland who make twice that amount in a year.
1: Yeah, and I think this is one of the big differences between like the American model which is based on sort of like parity of spending between clubs and the European model where there's like inherently more of like it's okay if like like in the 90s like it was okay if Man United spent like twice what anyone else or you know 3 4 times what uh like you know a Barnsley when they were in the, like when they were up could afford to spend and everyone was just okay with that model cuz that had sort of been the way that it always been and like if you're a Barnsley fan like you have no illusions like you you know your your team's not going to win like that year and they're not going to win the year after and like they're not going to win in 5 years you know and like the idea that like there would be a uh, like, I don't know, like a a New Orleans Saints fan who would be okay if a, if a person from the future told them, like, your team's not going to win anything for 20 years, like, they would be like, what? Like, that's not fair. Like, that would, I think, be the reaction. Not like, I don't believe you. Like, it would be like, that's not
0: fair. Um, May I introduce you to the Cleveland Browns?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly exceptions, <laughs> right? Like, there's, but like, but they're like, or like, literally every team that's ever played a game in Buffalo. Um, the expectation is that it could change on some level. Like, you're sort of like okay with not winning now, but you think it could change in the future. And there's like a reason for hope. Whereas, like, if like you're part of a much smaller franchise, like the chances of that happening are, are, are just so low, it's almost like not worth talking about or, or thinking about or mentioning.
0: Yeah. Now, I do want to provide just a few other figures because obviously the MLS is not the Premier League. And in all likelihood, I think we can all say probably never will be the Premier League in terms of salary spend, in terms of money they're bringing in, or, or at least we may never be alive to see that. <laughs> so if you look at other leagues that you know are around Europe, look at like, for instance, say the Eredivisie. We always talk about like, oh, players are going to the Eredivisie. The Divisie has a total spend of 153 million. MLS actually outspends them. You know, average salary is 379,000 per year, not, not even per month, per year, 379,000. You know, Portuguese, the top league there, total spend 190 million. It's 189, but you know, round that up, 190 million. Average salary there is 470,000. Even the Turkish Super League, which is a pretty strong and you know, considered maybe like six or seven league globally. Average salary there is $700,000 a year. Total $350 million spend across the league. That's attainable. So, I mean, I think there is, to some extent, with MLS, we had $241 million was the most recent number that I saw reported. And it didn't include Messi. So that, that number is going to disproportionately go up. And I think we have to acknowledge that it's going to make our average spend look, you know, much more competitive than it really is. And I think the designated player aspect of it also doesn't help because for as many players as we have, you know, saying or it's like, oh, you're making half a million dollars a year on average in MLS. Well, you're really not. That's not it's not a truthful statement. Well, no, I mean
1: the the Players Association though, like one of the things they do publish every every year. Um is the average sort of spend, but they, they have a report where they talk about the average spend to sort of like, you know, non designated players and, and like even players that are like non designated player, non tam players. And, um, like, I feel they, like you they have, that have bookmarked the way you're talking about it. <laughs> uh, I, I should, but I, I, it's a, it's like a PDF report that I'd have to go find. Um, I mean, it is above where the era divisi is right now. Right. So like, that's, that's one of those things that happens like, and this is, one of the discussions were like, why didn't that guy go to Europe? Like he had an offer from the Dutch league. Like realistically, MLS is going to pay you better than pretty much every team in the Dutch league will like Georgi Mihaljevic was making, you know, a ballpark. I mean, cause like conversions are different taxes are different stuff like that ballpark a million dollars a year when he was at Oz And that's, I mean, frankly, like probably less than he's making now um that he's on a db contract and stuff like that but like but he was ozad's highest paid player by like a country mile like they really believed in him when they brought him in um we didn't play him the way that you know that suits his game but that's a different story but like mls in terms of like where it is in the soccer landscape like globally it like the dutch league is sort of like nipping at the heels of the top five in terms of performance like they were ahead of uh legron in like the wave coefficient they fell behind them so they're back to number six but like mls is getting up there in terms of like spend i mean i think the other like the other leagues that you want to think about like outside of europe would be you, you know brazil argentina which is facing a lot of economic difficulties right now um japan is starting to pay their like japan it's a lot like mls where like huge market um growing interest in like what was not the biggest sport in the country um but like a league that very much suppressed player wages for the longest time and that's finally started to change and like now they're like ballpark where mls is so like mls is globally like we're not the premier league we're not the bundesliga we're not la liga like but like outside of that mls is not out of the conversation. Like. There's teams in Brazil that can pay everyone more than an MLS club could. There's a couple teams in Mexico, like, you know, like Reados are gonna shower people with money. Like that's been their model for a long time. Like we're gonna pay you well enough that you don't have to move to Europe. But like most players in the Gamekis are not playing for
0: Monterrey. you know? Maddie, please. Uh, talk some sense into me because I'm I'm almost starting to agree with Tim and that that's sending off warning bells in my head.
2: I am not the person to come to for finance. I stuff. I literally like. I'm like trying to catch up with everything that Tim just like knows everything, and I'm like, what did he just say like ten minutes ago? <laughs> like, I am the, I'm the emotional person in sports. I like the stories. I like the people. Money, on the other hand, I couldn't tell you a single thing. Like, I can hardly name the DPS for Minnesota. Like, I just it just goes. I can't.
0: Does Minnesota have DPS?
2: We have Reynoso, but like I, who else? I don't, do you I
0: though? Y- yeah, do you? Do well, you no. actually?
2: No, not <laughs> basically no. So I can't. I don't even know who our other DPS are. Like, and there must be someone, but I just this stuff. Like, I can't. I can't. It doesn't stick.
0: I think maybe th- this is a question that I have. Then, so talking about football finance, right? Look at, I'm going to use Wrexham as an example. Wrexham has a very lucrative TV deal, in part because of storytelling, and that makes them financially sustainable compared to a lot of other clubs globally. They don't necessarily have that recognition. They don't necessarily have that contract. They don't necessarily have that income. I mean, MLS, at the 250000000 million they're getting every year from Apple, while that seems very low in comparison to you know, a lot of other sports, right? We have the NFL and you look at it and it's like 11 billion a year. And that throws off our idea of what is financially sustainable or not, because, you know, by and large, soccer teams aren't NFL franchises. They don't have the same operating costs. They don't have the same salary. I mean, we're not even the most expensive league globally, but I I think you need to have that engaging product. If you want people to tune in and care about the league because I think that's where the money starts to flow in is when people feel invested in the team.
1: That's an interesting point because we've been talking about spend, but like, like I said earlier, like the other side of spend is revenue. And like when you, like you mentioned the championship, which is, I mean, it is like the like person at the casino at like two in the morning that is like down and is convinced they're going to walk away with money if they just like, max out their credit cards or like whatever it is they're trying to do to like just get more, more chips on the table because they spend like the average, like there's teams like half the league or more spends more than a hundred percent of their revenue. Like literally every dollar they make on player salaries. And like, you have to pay other people's salaries too. Like you got to pay front office. you got to pay like all of those things. And they spend more than that just in the players. Um, But like globally, like most teams around the world, like most leagues around the world the, the the spending hovers around the 50% mark like there's some leagues where it's like 40 and there's some where it's like 60 and i mean that's also typically where it is in north american sports like it, like it in north america with most sports being unionized like th- there's kind of negotiations about this and the the figures that people that it typically centers around 50%, you know, like you spend half the money on players and then like half on everything else. Um, MLS is like the one real exception to that where it's, it's closer to like the 30% mark. Um, and so MLS is spending on players trails where the revenue has been. And that's like been a reversal from where the league was early in its history. Cause like players, like we're literally making like $12,000 a year, and like they were being told, like, you should be glad that you're making twelve thousand dollars a year because if we paid you more then we'd be spending too much money and like the league would go bankrupt and like you have to go play, you know, like arena soccer for 50 bucks a game again. Stuff like that, you know, like so it, it's a it's a complete change from where the league started. But now the salary cap and all of those rules that are in place to like kind of restrain spending have meant that teams are spending less than they do in pretty much any other league in the world like as a percentage of the money that's coming in. And I think that what you said about the Apple TV deal is really prescient because it's like, I mean, TV is TV. You know what I mean? Like you, when you go to a smart TV, you can watch like literally any content from anywhere in the world. And so like, why would you watch the like discount version of the thing you wanted to watch? So like if you can always watch a team, that's going to be in the champions league or the champions league or like itself or like, whatever, like, why would you watch, you know, smaller versions of that? And I think Maddie, that gets to your point of like, the reason is like connect, like emotional connections. Cause you're like in an area, connections to players, connections to people, those, those kinds of stories.
2: Yeah. I do think like if teams could find more ways to kind of help create that like investment, that would be a way to pull in a lot of fans because like if you don't have a good, like reason to watch a team you're not going to start watching them you're not going to start watching the league ever like the only reason i'm here is because i was like young like i mean eight years ago when like i would go to the games at blaine where you just you know there's like a 100 people there and like you can just walk up to the field after the game and there's like just a border between you and the players and they walk through every game and like every single game they would walk by sign things like say hi take pictures like the entire team like they were just you know and like that's what. That's how I started. And now, like, no matter how bad we are, no matter, like, what happens, I'll always be, like, attached to the team. But, like, I have that eight-year history. Whereas people who otherwise you're trying to convince to start watching, they're like, what is the point of watching MLS? Like, there needs to be a place to start.
1: Yeah, and, like, uh, I was, like, one thing I was taught about, like, journalism and writing and stuff like that. I've never like worked professionally as a journalist, but I, you know, like running my college newspaper and friends that have gone into journalism professionally that I knew from that, like at first I, I sort of like looked down on sports journalism a little bit. I, and I think that some people do, but I, I've since learned to respect it because all the best writers that I knew really respected it. And it is because like sports journalism is about like telling those stories and making those connections. And like, that's one of the ways you can do it. Um, And it is kind of cool. Like one of the cool things about like MLS's investment in academies and stuff like that over the past few years is like, it is really cool to be able to follow guys from being, you know, like really like literal, like literal children, like kids and making their way out to first team contracts and then like getting a chance to see them play in like European competition sometimes. Like that's, that's always awesome to see. And I think that the league needs to do a better job of like playing that up because that's one of the selling points. Like, yeah, you can watch the premier league, but like, can you watch the premier league with a guy that, you know, you started watching when they were 14 years old playing in the academy when you happen to be able to like, just like go to a game randomly. Cause a lot of academy games are open and like, they're free to get to like, like, can you do that? Like that's, that's unique.
0: As someone who's MLS next pro team plays at a local college where it is free to go as far as I'm aware, I think if you don't take advantage of that opportunity, you're missing out on something very special because there is a very, very dedicated, hardcore community that goes to these matches and they know all these players by name. They know all these players' families. They have connections and relationships with these guys who are going to last potentially lifetimes, whole careers, and it costs nothing to do so. It, all it costs is a little bit of your time. And I mean...
1: yeah. Uh- and it's a two way street, right? Like the, the players know you and stuff like that. Like, I mean, this doesn't happen as much anymore, but like MLS used to be a league where like, you were uh, not even prominent. Like if you were just a person that went to games enough like that, and just like, you'd get to do like what Maddie did and like, you'd get to meet the players and stuff like that. And like, they would come to your kid's birthday, you know, like, that's like, I, I've got stories of people that are, you know, that are, 10 15 years older than I am and like that was their experience like they they like knew the players and like literally they're, like so like I don't know what you're doing on Sunday but like it's you know it's my kids birthday and like you want to come over and just like hang out and we're going to like barbecue and like you
0: get players doing that um, Could you imagine and it is it is, that is happened now Lionel Messi shows up to your kids birthday party uh, in jorts um, <laughs> yeah and, and he's going to be he'll carry the, the iconic messy pizza too that has like yeah. all the tomato right on top of it
1: yeah it's like cool i'll bring the food uh Messi, you're you're not bringing pizza are you uh i don't i don't know i'll just bring the food you're not bringing that pizza though right like just pr- just promise you're not bringing the pizza. like someone I tried mean, it
0: they said it was good
1: uh yeah i mean that's that's the power of uh that's the power of uh being a d'Or, like multiple ballon' d'Or winner. So you've heard, you've seen the story about the messy burger, right? There's the Hard Rock Cafe has a messy burger. Um, There's a lengthy article. It's like a Pablo Maurer Maurer piece. So like, it's probably 7,000 words long, but I'll send it to you Um, (laughs) about the messy burger. I'm pretty sure the messy burger is just about Messi's name. And if people
0: like the taste of it, it's because they like that Messi's name is attached. Interesting. I believe it. 100%. They say you eat with your eyes before anything else. So you see the name messy and you're like, delicious.
1: Um, not 100% sure that I, when I see messy, I think delicious. That's not a lot of adjectives, but I, I don't think that's um, the first one that comes to mind.
2: No, I do wonder also like in terms of fan engagement, what this documentary might be able to do for MLS. I love documentary. Well, I love sports documentaries. But, like, this has a lot of potential. I-, I could totally see it just being terrible because, you know, MLS. But, like, it has a lot of potential to be, like, really cool and really well done. And, like, if it's advertised and, like, put out there, I, I guess it's probably just going to be on Apple. But if it's, like, more, if it's available enough, um, I feel like that could make a big impact on, like, fan engagement and pulling more people towards the league as well.
1: Yeah, because people love stories. I mean, like that's the thing. Like that's what sports ultimately is. It's 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 stories. Like right, a team winning or losing. I mean, unless you bet money on the game, <laughs> like it doesn't like it doesn't change your day. You know what right. I mean? But like when you're especially like I remember when I was a kid and like the teams that I cared about, like if they lost, like it. Like, literally, it was like, you know, I'd like walk into school with like the, like, you know, it's like Charlie Brown, like, like head bowed down, like, (laughs) like, sort of like feeling just because, like, they they mean things to people. And I think you're right, Maddie. Like, it's, it's the personal connections that make things matter, but those can be created a bunch of ways, including just like telling people's stories. And something unique about MLS compared to a lot of other leagues is it's, I mean, in North America, like in North American sports, although I guess the NBA is really getting this now more and more too is, but it's, it's global stories. Like it's not just American stories that, that you're hearing, but it's stories of people from all around the world. And so you hear about the cultures that they grew up in the environment and, and how that affected things. Like, I think one of the reasons Messi's story is, is compelling is because it does like, it's, it's a story of immigrants. It's a story of a family deciding to like move continents to give their child better opportunities. It's a story of, you know, like just like seeking adequate medical care for your child and not being able to afford, like all of those things are like themes in his life story. And that makes it all the more compelling, I think for a lot of people.
0: All right. I do want to move us to one last compelling topic though. And that is Tim, you came up with perhaps one of the most brilliant ways to fix the MLS scheduling crisis. And I I say this only, only like half deadpan too. So high <laughs> le, yeah high level summary here. I I was talking with Tim like obviously we need to do the Liga MX style, and Tim agreed with me. But then so came do you want to say what, with like that's really better. quick just for yeah. So for there there things. is in Liga MX there's the apertura and there's the clausura, and you play two halves of the season both. You know, the Apertura and the Clausura have their own champion in it. And then that goes into later on in how the postseason is kind of determined for Liga MX. The thing is, though, we found a better way of doing it. And I use we very strongly. Tim found a better way of doing it by developing, you have your patented, trademarked MLS Cup and the MLS Challenger Cup.
1: Yeah, so the other side of this was talking about ProRel and like whether or not it would come to MLS, because I don't see it happening because unless it owners are absolutely forced to, just because the amount of money that they have by having guaranteed access to the top flight. Like MLS right now is about I mean, it's own like most teams are owned by billionaires. They don't really care about the revenue as much, they care about the team valuation because that that becomes a significant part of their net worth the one thing that they don't want to risk is something that would potentially take that valuation down. And I mean, as we see in, you know, like in Europe going down tremendously affects your team's valuation. Like you go from being like a, a billion dollar club in the premier league or like, you know, billions of pounds at the top of the premier league to a hundred million ish for a championship club that could potentially go up to like, 15, 20 million is for a championship club that could go down to like 10 to 15 million for a league one. So like, it's like, it's not like you're like losing a, a percentage of your value. It's like, you're like knocking zeros off every stage. And that affects your net worth as a, as a rich person. And that's what you care about. And I mean, it affects your pride because if you're a super rich person, your net worth and your pride are probably similar, uh, if not exactly the same thing. Um, but so I don't think that we're going to get like, I just don't see pro rel ever happening in, in MLS or in North America in any real sense. And and people have talked about there being two leagues, like dividing it into like pro rel, but only within MLS. But I don't see that happening. Cause like, imagine that inter Miami is in like the MLS premier for want of a better term and your team is in MLS championship, which is the league below. And then MLS doesn't like Messi doesn't get to come to your team. Cause they're an MLS championship. And like that, like that just wouldn't fly with owners. And like the, the difference in valuation thing would happen anyways. So what I was thinking is you have pro rel, but in season. So everyone starts off at zero and then you sort of have like a half a season. So like, sort of like the apertura in, in Liga Mechies which would probably be like, I'm thinking there would probably be MLS divided into like divisions or conferences or something like that. So like there would be like certain teams you would play every season, preferably home and away. So like that way you would get like all the derbies that you wanted because they would be the teams in your division. So like hell is real would happen every year. Like you would get like sporting Kansas city playing, um, playing St. Louis city. Like you you'd get like the Texas teams playing each other. Like those matches would be guaranteed to happen every year. Then potentially some games like out of conferences, which is what we see in like most other leagues. And then like basically like what is now like halfway through the season, you'd stop. And like some teams that were like at the top of their conferences would go to sort of like the MLS Cup round, which would be like the second half of the regular season. And you'd end up with seeding that would then like lead to the playoffs or MLS Cup and you'd play some different teams there. So like that would give you an opportunity to play teams that you hadn't played in a while. Sort of like the way that like, you know, like if you're a, a Western conference team, like you may not have seen like the Philadelphia union in like five years, you'd, you know, potentially get that chance depending on like where they were and where you were. Um, And then you'd end up with like a ranking and you'd just do the playoffs normally based on like, okay, like the top teams make the playoffs. And so for the top league, the top teams of the top league would make the playoffs for MLS Cup uh, and somebody wins MLS Cup. The other league, the te- like the teams that had bad records, they would still keep on playing the regular season and they would have a parallel sort of thing. The difference is they would be, I, I mean, I just called it like the Challenge Cup or something like that. Like clearly it's like the like not the top thing. It's like one of those like, we're good, but we're, we're not the best. Like the name would have to convey that sort of like, I mean, it is sort of weird, though, the way that, like, soccer fans are now used to the word championship, not actually meaning championship. Like, like championship, that's good, right? I mean, it, it's it's pretty good, I guess, but like not, like, the best. It's so, like, the second tier thing, and it would be the same thing, where they would have a, the second half of the regular season, you'd play teams that you hadn't played, maybe play teams you hadn't played in a while, and in the end you'd have playoffs, and they would win, like, the MLS Challenge Cup, or, like, whatever the, the marketing name was. And then, at the end of all of that, next season, everything resets to zero again. So, like, you're back to square one. There's no pro rel. Like, like, owners of teams' valuations aren't changed that much by it because, like, you would still get the chance to play those big clubs and all of that. Um, and so it, it eliminates the permanency and the risk, which I think is the thing that really makes people afraid
0: uh, on, like, the, like, MLS owner side. And I think, Tim, one benefit... That I pointed out that you weren't even thinking about, right? Leagues Cup's not going anywhere. If you stop halfway through the season, you put the break in right at Leagues Cup, and then you pick up to do the, you know, MLS Cup and the Challenge Cup right after Leagues Cup ends. You're not like disrupting the season.
1: And right now, so like some of the Leagues Cup brackets are decided by what you did in the previous season. Where the MLS season is, it's like it could be random. Like you could have played like. If you're a what it's like, imagine last year, you're an Eastern Conference team, like you could have been playing like FC Cincinnati, Columbus, you know, Philadelphia and like other teams that ended up at the top of the table on the East for the first part of the season. So you don't want to make your ranking in the league's cut based on that, because like it could be you had like the easiest season and then some other team was playing like pre messi arrival, Miami, Toronto twice, you know, and like, you're like, well, that's not fair. Like we had the hardest schedule. They had the easiest schedule. Of course they're going to have more points than us. Why do they get an easier leagues cup ranking by having the stopping point there? You could say like, no, no, this is a fair point. We're going to do like, we're going to base it on this season's result, which is sort of the way that Liga MX does it rather than last season's results. And so that makes it, especially in a league like MLS where there is a lot of roster turnover year after year where it's like the team that won the supporters shield last year great good for them but like half those guys are gone you know like they, they've they've lost their three best scorers or whatever not talking about you specifically Russ <laughs> look
0: we have a cost that's all that matters <laughs> but only one so well, I mean you know TBD <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we will see about that. Maddie, I want to bring you back in because I feel like Tim and I have done way too much talking, and we need someone to pull us back down to earth and tell us why we're actually insane. Or you can give Tim a huge ego. I don't boost think we've got time to tell that. him you're right.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this is now a take three an, and a half it would hour take a episode. team of psychiatrists. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I, I like it. It's a pretty good idea. Um, my thing is like, like, teams can be so different in the first half of the season than the second half of the season. Even just one player coming in midseason could, like, change the whole team or just, like, one little thing. Like, I don't know. Minnesota's probably going to start out terrible because, like, who do we have? But, like, maybe we'll turn around. So then, like, if you uh, do that.
1: Maybe not Reynoso.
2: Yeah. Do you, not, you,
0: you still have Pookie, though, right?
2: Yeah. That's not. That's the other
0: DP, by the way.
2: Okay, I was gonna say he probably. I mean, maybe is. I don't know. I don't know, guys. But like, yeah. but you- that's
1: that's the other thing. Yeah, like, like, why does it really matter? Like, because like if like if your second favorite play second favorite player isn't the second highest paid person on the team, like, does it matter? Like, I mean, I think all of us like love the like young homegrown players that like you get to know and like and and everyone loves like a personality like which I think MLS doesn't have as much of as it used to. So yeah.
2: Yeah, the personality is lacking. Um, But, like, that's the only, like, that's my main issue. So you put a stop in the middle of the season, then like, it's basically saying, like, sorry, you did poorly in the first half. Like, go to this loser's area, and you have no chance to redeem yourself. Because, like, winning there really is, like, nobody really cares, right? Like, what is the the incentive for that lower, like, lower half? Like, Minnesota gets thrown in there. Then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I, I only need to watch this upper half. MLS Cup people, not, like, these Challenger Cup people.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So, like, maybe, so maybe the point is that the top teams at the end of the Challenger Cup, kind of like the, like, in sort of spots that we've got in the playoffs now, like, maybe if you're at the top of the standings at the, like, MLS Challenge Cup thing, like, maybe the winner from every division or winner second place or, like, right. whatever, however it work out, like, you get to go into the MLS Cup playoffs instead. So that gives you an incentive to try.
2: Right. You need Um, some incentive.
1: Yeah. And so that I think would give you that incentive because like if you, if you're top of the table, you go up for the playoffs and in terms of like, why does the challenger cup matter once you're in those playoffs? I mean, I don't know, like throw people some gam. (laughs) I'm I'm out of reasons there, Uh, except for saying that like, you know, I I think that like uh, athletes, if, if you give them a knockout competition and tell them there's something to win they will try to win it um like there should be and something that like league's cup MLS actually did crack this formula for us cuz like what they did for league's cup is they gave players like very significant bonuses for every win they got in the competition and made it financially worthwhile so like it was very obvious
0: to everyone in the locker room like we had we got to go for this you know yeah What if you put like a CONCACAF Champions Cup qualifying spot for the winner of Challenge Cup? So like whoever finishes the Challenge Cup league at the top qualifies in for CONCACAF. And then let's say the top four teams then go into like the play in rounds for MLS Cup at end of year. But if you're number one, then like you're guaranteed at least something for next season.
1: Yeah, I think that's worth it, too. Like, yes, like top gets a like it could be like the top like the quote unquote supporter shield for one of a better term, but top of the table for the second half of the season in the lower sort of like half the league gets a CONCACAF champions cup spot as does the winner of the playoff competition in the lower end. Like that gives you stuff to play for. You know, what
2: if, what if somebody in the lower league, lower half like has ends with more points than someone in the higher half? Like where's the supporter shield going? You just eliminate that bottom half
1: you have to recalibrate the supporter shield. I mean, like I almost want to argue that like maybe it's just go to the top half, but like the supporter shield thing, like it it really wasn't that long ago that like every team in MLS would play every other team in MLS at least once. And like now that just isn't happening. And so like you do, you're starting to get this thing where it's like, if one conference is a lot stronger than the other and like, is it fair that, like the supporter shield winner ends up being from the weaker conference because they're facing weaker competition. We get like, so like that ends up being, or like if, if you're a Western conference team and you're like out of division opponents were like FC Cincinnati, you know, Columbus, you know, Philadelphia, like the, like, and someone else's were like Toronto, Montreal, Chicago, like you're, you're not facing the same, like your schedule's not the same. Right. Um, So I think that that takes things away from the supporter shield. Maybe the crazy idea would be if we're doing things in division and like the first, so it's like multiple like four divisions instead of two conferences and you have home and away in your division. Maybe it's like the division winners end up having a separate playoff for the supporter shield. (laughs) I don't know. That
0: just gets crazy. Um, No. What if the winner of the champion or what if the winner of the, challenge cup and the winner of mls cup play each other for the supporter shield like the super thing yeah no I, i like the idea of it
1: just being like maybe you have to win the first half of the season
0: wait what hold on here's a better question why complicate it maybe it's just like it doesn't matter like if you're if you went on this huge run despite getting into like the lower division like You still were probably the best performing team across a whole season, in the sense that even if you're playing against weaker teams, like you were in that division because you were a weaker team in the first half as well.
1: Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent right. So it's like you must have really turned it on, like what what we saw Sporting Kansas City do last year, where like they could not buy a point in the first you know ten games, and then ended up making the playoffs. Now, like. There's no mathematical way they could have won the support. I mean, probably mathematically, technically, if they had, like, won every game, they could have made a Supporter Shield run, but, like, in any real universe, they never would have made a Supporter Shield run. See, I think you're right. Like, if you've, like, if you've, you're, like, kind of, like, screwed up the first half of your season enough that you're in the lower half of the league, and you just, like, don't lose a game, like, you, you actually do have, a, even against weaker competition,
0: like, you've got a case for the Supporter Shield. Right. Still got to beat the teams in front of you.
1: I'm with especially on this because,
2: one.
1: Especially because, like, if the first part, like, if, if the idea of that first part of the season was that it would be, like, divisional games so that you could always have the derbies that you wanted, like, it wouldn't be a balanced schedule anyways. Like, you can't do a balanced schedule in, like, 15 games in a league with 30, 32, however many teams it would be at that point. Like, it's just, it isn't possible. Like, you're not going to play most teams. So home and away in the division that obviously would punish teams that are in the best division if they're like if there was a division that was absolutely stacked like sure you'd get fewer points but like that's just the reality unlike the premier league or like leagues where it's like home and away every t- every match like that's why MLS Cup is also a competition like you can lose the supporter shield that's you know sucks f- for losing that but like at the same time you can win MLS
0: Cup and so like that's the that's the prize you get I dig it. I dig it, Tim. I propose that you be elected as commissioner of MLS, and you implement this immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think MLS commissioner is up for a vote because uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't think that Don Garber would have won re-election if it was.
0: <laughs> um, would he ever even won election?
1: Yeah. No. I mean. If Don Garber's winning reelections for things, I think that it's sort of like <laughs> the, the, we're kind of like in one of those like one party regime
0: sort of situations. Um, like, is, it's is like it's a commentary about MLS being single entity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that single entity and
1: single party. So,
0: yeah, it's basically
1: like Fidel Castro uh, just like winning everything by 97% of the vote for Don Garber again. Who could have very, seen this coming? Very, very
0: popular. Yeah. Turns out, everyone in MLS loves Don Garber, and we should just trust that implicitly.
1: And support should be given, like, a mandatory overhead TIFO of Don Garber's head that was, like, 300 feet wide. Mm-hmm. um, And had would start, li- like, not, it wouldn't just be, like, a normal overhead TIFO. It would be, like, lit up. It would probably have fireworks coming out of his eyes. Um,
0: I'm on board with all of this. Draft it up. Have it on my desk tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh don garber fireworks tifo you could give that to like generative ai and i bet you they would get something phenomenal made for you
1: i feel like i'd never sleep again i feel like that would just ruin sleep for me
0: well hey you know what then you wouldn't need coffee so or i'd need all the coffee maybe with that said is there anything else you guys want to talk about, or do you think we're okay to put a pin in it for tonight and bring to a close our second ever meeting of the minds? Don't, don't this all jump in at once. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait, can't wait to see that third goal.
2: Yeah, can't wait to exactly. See that third
0: goal. <laughs> Man, no, no one's here for just actual magic. I get, I get it. I get it.
1: <laughs> really the magic is the friends we make along the way. And I think we all know that.
0: Right, right. Tim, I will be sure to Venmo you $10 later uh, for saying that. No problem. No <laughs> questions asked. Uh, well, once again, thank you both for being on here. Just a quick reminder you can find Maddie on social media at Maddie Krause. The spellings are going to be in the episode show notes. You can find Tim on social media at Sing Electric. Tim, we'll put yours in the show notes as well, just to be fair and consistent. And as always, you can find myself at Mr. Dangerous and most importantly out of all of these remember this one you can find the podcast at MLS now podcast on social media Maddie Tim listeners thank you all for spending some time here today till next time